Hello and welcome to episode 60 of The Witcher chapter by chapter book review where I'll go through a summary of the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'm discussing chapters 5 through 7 from Season of Storms. Okay, well, I've got nothing really to talk about before just um, going through the chapters, but I'll start you with a recap from the last episode, and then I'll go through a summary of these chapters, and then we will talk about everything that happened in detail. So for the recap, in Karak, the sorceress Coral had Geralt arrested for embezzlement and then bailed him out of jail. While in jail, someone stole Geralt's swords from the safe deposit he was forced to keep them in while in town. Dandelion, who is visiting his cousin Ferrant, the head investigator, or instigator, is having his cousin help investigate Geralt's missing swords, but in the meantime, Geralt goes to see Coral to find out if she has any connection to the swords that were stolen while he was in jail. Alright, summary of chapters 5 through 7 coming at you right now. <laughs> Geralt visits Coral, who explains she had him arrested to demonstrate that she could. She was working with other sorcerers who had bad feelings toward Geralt because of his previous relationship with Yennefer. She also says she doesn't know anything about the theft of the swords. During his visit, he keeps checking out Coral's apprentice, who goes by the name Mosaic. He sees that this attempt to annoy Coral worked when Geralt runs into Mosaic at the market later and discovers that Coral had her hand twisted around to punish her for making Coral seem like a fool. Geralt goes back to see Coral to say something about her treatment of Mosaic, but he quickly ends up in bed with her for four days. After learning that she can use divination, he asks her to help him locate his, sto his stolen swords. She helps him, and he sees them at what appears to be for sale in an auction. Geralt describes the location to Dandelion, who says he knows where they need to go to possibly recover the weapons. Okay, we're going to start with chapter 5. We'll go through everything that happened there. Um, makes sense. Uh, chapter five, then chapter six and chapter seven. So chronological order is what we do here. Uh, Geralt, we start out chapter five with Geralt on his way to see Coral. So that's where we left off with him in the last episode. Um, he's going to go to her place so that he can confront her after what she did to him after she had him put in jail and then just bailed him out. Doesn't really seem to make sense. So he wants to get the bottom. He wants to get to the bottom of this and figure out if she had anything to do with his swords. And she knows that he's coming because she is able to watch him using magic in this fountain that she has on her terrace. And it's the same fountain that she uses in chapter seven to help him figure out uh, where his swords are. So she gets ready for his arrival, and what she does by, to get ready is she has Mosaic, her apprentice, fetch her an outfit, and she tells her that she wants a modest dress, although Mosaic recommends a more attractive one. But Coral wants the modest dress for a particular reason, and she also wants heels of at least four inches. She very specifically says four inches, and that's so that Geralt is not looking down on her too much. 
So her attention to detail in preparation for Geralt's visit is very telling. Like she wants him to perceive her and the situation in a particular way. And we'll talk a little bit more about that momentarily when uh, we see a little bit more of what she does after he gets there. So he arrives, he's greeted by a bodyguard that she has, and then she welcomes him in. And he has a moment where he notices her red hair and he has a lot of thoughts about it. Uh, some of the more important thoughts, it's funny because you wouldn't think that somebody would really have that much to think about someone's hair color, but he does. So some of the more important thoughts, he thinks about how he feels anxiety about it <laughs> because of his strange and inexplicable inclination toward redheads and how in the past they've made him do stupid things. And we see proof of that and a little bit. And he also notices that she has a very attractive body. She has a nice figure and he can tell that her modest dress, the one that she very specifically chose, even when she was, uh, she received a suggestion to pick something that wasn't as modest. Uh, he can tell that that dress was chosen deliberately so that it wouldn't distract from her figure. So yeah, that's the reason for her choosing that. Um, she wants him to pay attention to her attractive features because she's got an agenda that we'll talk about more in a minute. It's, I keep putting things off for the future, but it, it just makes more sense in this situation to do it that way. Um, but it, basically in order for her agenda to play out the way that she intends, she needs to have him right where she wants him, which includes distracted by his attraction to her. But in this moment, he feels more anxious than anything, and he's making a point to be on his guard. So her plan, at least right now, is backfiring. It's also noted here that coral smells of freesias and apricots. So it's no lilac and gooseberries, but it's interesting that it's another combination of a plant and a fruit. Must be a popular thing with sorceresses or just women in general in this world, I'm not sure. We don't meet a whole lot of ordinary women in the Witcher world. It could actually be, I don't know, now that I think about it, it could be a thing with perfume in the real life world. I, would, I don't really, I don't wear perfume. I've never been interested in perfume. Uh, seems like a waste of money to make yourself smell um, artificial, but I mean, that's just me. I, I, I don't, no judgment if you like perfume. I, I've just never been into it and therefore I don't know. Maybe this is maybe the combination of a plant and a fruit is a common perfume thing. Um, but freesias and apricots, that's Coral's scent. So as Geralt's accepting her greeting, he deliberately pretends to show more interest in her statue and the fountain that she has than he does in her body. He, he's doing this for, because he can tell that she wants him to pay attention to her and check her out. Uh, but she invites him to sit down and they drink wine and she's got this big portion of her leg exposed, still trying to flaunt her body for him. But then he starts to show too much attention to Mosaic, who's now serving them their wine. And Mosaic looks terrified when he does this because she knows Coral and therefore understands the consequences that she will face for Geralt's behavior. 
But Geralt, of course, doesn't understand. He, he doesn't. He's just meeting Coral for the first time. He doesn't understand this. So he continues to do it throughout his visit. He continues to check out Mosaic right in front of Coral. And Coral even shows a little bit that it's bothersome to her. Like there's a moment where she loudly places her her wine glass on the table to get his attention, <laughs> but it, it doesn't stop him, uh, which is unfortunate. But he gets down to business and asks if it's true that she had him placed in jail and bailed him out. And when she confirms this, he asks what her motives were. Like, why, okay, why in the world would you do that? That's really like you had me placed in jail. There could be certain reasons for that, but then he had me bailed out immediately or four days later. That's, it's just strange. And she says she did this to show him that she can. <laughs> and Geralt asks, okay, yeah, you proved that. So now what? Uh, and this is when she explains that she's acting on behalf of other sorcerers who have certain plans regarding Geralt. And for the moment, that's all she can disclose because she doesn't know anymore herself. Um, she has not been told what their future plans for Geralt are, how else they plan to torment him or harm him, um, because she didn't expect him to figure out that she was the one behind his arrest as quickly as he did. So she didn't think that he would um, have shown up. So I guess she was expecting to have more time to get the information from the people that she's working for or working with. Uh, but she does at least explain that the reason these unnamed sorcerers are imposing on his life all comes down to Yennefer. So when they broke up, when Geralt and Yennefer broke up, the community was all abuzz trying to figure out how the relationship ended. Um, like, did she end it? Did he end it? Why did it end? They're like freaking high schoolers, these sorcerers. Either way, some of them wanted Geralt punished. But she also tells she also tells him that bets were made about how long their relationship would last, and Coral's wager was the most accurate, and she earned a lot of money. To which Geralt says, "Oh, that's great! I'm glad that you profited from uh, my relationship with Jennifer. Uh, now I don't feel like I need to pay you back for the bail, like I was intending on doing." Which. He was probably intending on doing that just to get her off his back. I don't think it was really like, oh, this is the right thing to do. Because she, it was her fault that he got put in jail in the first place, of course. So I think that he wanted to get her off his back, settle anything left unfinished between them. Since at this point, he wouldn't want to have any unfinished bad business with a person who just got him locked up for no good reason. I think he just wants her out of the picture completely. Like He doesn't know her. And right now... Uh, especially before he showed up here today, he doesn't want to know her. So now that Geralt has answers on why she had him arrested, he asks about his swords, to which she says she was not involved in their theft and she actually didn't even know anything about it. And he's not totally convinced that she's telling the truth, but we soon, we soon learn he overcomes those doubts. Well, he's about to leave, but before he does, she asks him, why Yennefer? She wants to know why he was with her in the first place. And there, there's no, there's no going back from this, from what he does. He stares at Mosaic again and says, I don't know. There are certain women. One look is enough. Some women attract you like a magnet. You can't take your eyes off them. 
So he's saying all of this while looking her up and down, still trying to provoke Coral. So yeah, he answers her question while simultaneously demonstrating an attraction to Mosaic. And he's doing this while Coral is trying to flaunt her goods for him. And yeah, he just wants to spite her. But the thing is, the person who is most harmed by his actions here is poor Mosaic, who's just minding her own business, which he could possibly have picked up on the fact that this would have happened to her because, because Geralt is usually very perceptive and smart and Mosaic is looking at him in terror. She's begging him with her eyes to stop doing what he's doing. So it, it seems a little bit out of character for Geralt to be aware that he is going to cause her harm and do it anyway. I like to think that he just didn't really notice that that's what was going on because he was too caught up in this game that he was playing with Coral. Plus, he's got a lot of other things on his mind right now with his missing swords. But then Coral tells Mosaic to leave. And as she says it, the sound of pack ice grating against iron could be heard in her voice illustrating that he successfully provoked her. Well, then she says bye to Geralt and chapter five ends here. But before we move on to chapter six, I, I wanted to talk about how I, I find it interesting when you take a step back for a moment and think about this. I noticed myself not really even considering the Yennefer aspect of this issue on a deep level. Well, I eventually did, but the first couple of times I read this chapter, I didn't think about it that way. But after a few more times, um, I started to think about it differently. And the reason I think it took me a couple of reads to really think about it from this other point of view is because if you're reading this book, you've already read all of the main series, most likely. <laughs> So you may have become desensitized to Yennefer's ways and Geralt and Yennefer's usually dysfunctional relationship. But when you look at this from the perspective of where these events take place on the timeline of the whole series, that's when it gets interesting. When I took a step back, I started thinking of Geralt when he and Yen were reunited and how he actually had this memory, everything that we are reading here in this chapter, everything that's in this book, this is all lodged in his memory bank throughout the majority of the series. Like he was put in jail basically because of Yennefer. Like she wasn't directly having him placed in jail, but if it wasn't for her, that wouldn't have happened. So I just like to think of the majority of the series, like look back to it, any chapter and through like Blood of Elves to Lady of the Lake, and he's already had this experience behind him. I don't know. It's just, I think it's interesting when you think of it that way, because it just adds on to Geralt and Yennefer's history. Even though she's not present here, she still uh, is somewhat involved in a certain way, on a certain level. Okay, anyway, um, I'm just going to start making zero sense in a moment if I keep um, rambling. So we'll move on to chapter six, which begins with Geralt and Dandelion having breakfast. And they were sharing Dandelion's room at the inn and Dandelion was treating Geralt to breakfast since all of Geralt's money was taken. And this is more than fair since many times in the past, Geralt has been the one spotting Dandelion. 
So while they're eating, Dandelion suggests to Geralt that he gets himself a temporary sword since the rumor has spread about his loss of weaponry and the guys who challenged him to a fight the other day probably won't be the last. So Dandelion's a little worried. I think Geralt's presence usually makes him feel safe and secure since Geralt's so tough and strong and fast, but those feelings of security disappear when Geralt is unarmed and actively targeted by, by ruffians. I feel like the word ruffian is something like an old person would say. I feel like I sound ridiculous using the word ruffian. <laughs> Uh, but that's what they are. So as they're sitting there enjoying their breakfast, Dandelion's cousin, the royal tribunal instigator, approaches and he updates Geralt on the investigation. Doesn't give him any good news, though. He says that there's no evidence that the men who attacked Geralt in Chapter 4 were involved in the theft, but they probably only knew about his lack of swords because the rumor of it spread so swiftly. And he also says that there hasn't yet been any evidence at all that would lead them to the real thief, but there might be more skirmishes like the recent one because strangers have been appearing. Uh, people that are not from this town are showing up in the town keen on fighting an unarmed witcher. So he shows up to say, hey, yeah, we've made no progress in the case of your missing swords, but uh, more people are probably going to try to fight you. Uh, but it does show that Dandelion's worries were well-founded. But in light of this new information, Geralt and Dandelion go sword shopping. Uh, but they don't get anything. Geralt found the swords for sale to be overpriced junk, and he's being quite stubborn about using a sword worse than the ones that were stolen. Dandelion really just wants him to get something temporary. Like uh, he's, he, he doesn't care if it's, if it's a good sword or a bad sword. He just wants him to have some kind of weapon. But while they're having this discussion, uh, they're standing by this ongoing vegetable market and Geralt sees Coral's apprentice, Mosaic, and he goes to talk to her. And when she sees him, she tries to hide her arm behind her back so that he can't see it's wrapped up in a scarf, but it doesn't get past old witcher eyes over here. And he tells her to show him. So the scarf comes off her arm and it shows him that her hand is twisted at the wrist and turned over. So basically like the front of her hand is facing the back and the back and you know, vice versa. Um, a pretty messed up thing. And, the, and it was apparently so painful that she passed out. So, and she, and Mosaic sees that as a benefit though. Uh, she's like, oh, it wasn't too bad. The pain was so bad that it made me pass out. So I only felt the pain momentarily. Goodness. So <laughs> she says that it's Geralt's fault. This, what happened to her is Geralt's fault for using Mosaic to make a fool out of Coral. Uh, so Coral, you know, she got angry that Geralt was checking out Mosaic. So she punished Mosaic. I'm really not liking this woman this quarrel. That could not be more unreasonable. Like if you're going to punish anybody, punish Geralt, but even it's like, what do you expect? He's like, you just had him put in jail for a very ridiculous reason. Ugh. Well, uh, Mosaic says she doesn't hold a grudge toward Geralt because Coral treated her leniently. Uh, she says that she could have done something worse, like turned over both of her hands. She could have done that to her feet. Feet would be worse for sure. Uh, or she could have swapped her feet, like the left foot on the right side and the right foot on the left side. And apparently she's done that to someone before. Mosaic's seen her do that to 
I don't know if it's multiple people or just one person, but she's done it before. So what's to stop her from doing that to poor old, no, poor mosaic. And she also says, plus it's not permanent. Coral will split her hand back after she's enjoyed her revenge. She's making a lot of excuses for her. It sounds like mosaic has a bit of Stockholm syndrome. Um, a little later, Geralt addresses this. He asks her why she doesn't just leave, but she says that she doesn't have any better alternatives and she's a nobody, but through Coral, that could change. If she were to leave now, she'll just continue being a nobody, but she just puts up with this stuff then uh, she could be somebody and have success and nice things in life. And I get her point, but I think her somewhat indifferent attitude toward the whole thing reeks a bit of Stockholm Syndrome still. But that's not, um, that's her problem. That's not up to me to uh, diagnose. <laughs> so uh, while Geralt and Mosaic are talking, a man shows up and challenges Geralt to a duel, just like Ferrant warned about. And Geralt doesn't say anything. He doesn't try to fight him off with whatever weapon he could come up with in a pinch like he did last time. He just ards the sucker and sends him flying. So another use of signs. Yay. <laughs> Love the signs. Uh, then when the man's on the ground, Geralt kicks him and he goes to kick him again, but Mosaic stops him, pleading with him not to take his anger at Coral out on this man. And he listens to her. He does what she wants and he tells her, well, okay, but I'm going to go see Coral again. And she says, there'll be consequences. And he asks for you. She's like, nope, not for me. So she thinks something bad will happen to Geralt if he goes to Coral to say something about Mosaic's punishment. But I think Geralt is feeling confident. He's got lots of experience dealing with vindictive sorceresses, as we are well aware of. Okay, so now we've arrived at chapter seven. So this is the final chapter that we're going to discuss in this episode. And chapter seven starts with Geralt on his way to see Coral and he's picking her a freesia on the way, knowing that that was a scent in her perfume. When he arrives, she welcomes him in and predicts that he's come to do exactly what he came to do. And he thinks to himself, Neil Admiari. So uh, be surprised by nothing, let nothing astonish you, which he continues to think to himself for most of the chapter. And Coral tells Geralt not to shout at him for what he, she did because She'll painlessly fix Mosaic's hand when she returns and possibly, possibly apologize to her. Then suddenly she thanks him for the flower he brought and then offers herself to him as a way of showing thanks, to which he accepts, unsurprisingly. We knew this was coming from the Something More story. We already knew going into this whole book that Geralt and Coral sleep together. Um, but after it begins, Geralt is thinking to himself, what am I doing? What am I doing? What I'm doing is completely senseless. So he doesn't think that this is a good idea, but he does it anyway. Uh, that's also not surprising, but you know, for other reasons. Later, uh, when they're hanging out in bed together, he's observing this intricate angelfish tattoo that she has, and he notes that it's like a birth certificate because she must have gotten it a long time ago when angelfish were a rare attraction. So this demonstrates that she's old, even though she looks young, which is a very common occurrence with sorceresses. 
skipping a page or two here because there's a lot of what I'm hoping is simply unimportant pillow talk. I don't see, as you know, I, I have not read this entire book yet, but I really don't see a lot of what is mentioned here coming up again. If it does, if what I'm skipping is relevant later, I'll reference it. Like I'll talk about it in more detail in the episode where we cover the chapter that contains these references, but I really, I, I feel, I feel like we're okay with this. Uh, but I won't leave out these details on Mosaic because it does seem a little too specific and detailed to not be important. It's possible that it's not, but it's kind of cool. Uh, he asks, Geralt asks about Mosaic's name and Coral doesn't like her being mentioned at all, um, especially not while they're in bed together, but she explains anyway that when Mosaic started school, her name was, it's spelled like A-I-K, there's like an accent mark on the I, um, but I think it's supposed to sound like ek, ache, um, and her face was covered with pale spots from a loss of skin pigment, and she looked like a mosaic, which is kind of mean, but that's what Coral says she looked like. Um, but like all sorceresses, she had her imperfections removed, but she had already had that nickname established, and she'd grown to like it, so it stuck. Uh, then there's a moment. Also not sure how integral it is to the story, but it has some intriguing elements. Um, whether it's important to the story, uh, I, I don't really care because it, it it's just, it's very, I, I, I just like it a lot. Um, so where Geralt and Coral are out on the terrace and she's using a, a telescope to observe the ships, which Geralt has no interest in. He's displaying his interest in her body using his hands, and that's as graphic as I'll get. But to this, she says, you're behaving like a 15-year-old. And to that, he says, I never really was 15. This line broke my heart a little. It was very emotional. Uh, when he was 15, he was going through the grueling witcher trainings, not getting to experience life the way the average 15-year-old does. It's so sad. Ah, oh, it's so raw and whew, that was deep. God, that was deep. And then the next section is just as sad, uh, just as uh, emotional. Coral tells Geralt that she loves the sea because she's from Skellige. That's another little fact about her. She's from Skellige. We don't meet a lot of people from there throughout the series, uh, but Skellige is a collection of islands. So those people are always on the sea doing sea things. And she says that she dreams of sailing away, being all alone, endlessly alone, solitude among a sea of strangeness. And she asks Geralt, don't you dream of that? And he thinks, no, I don't. I have it every day. I have goosebumps talking about that right now. Not because it's like, not because it's nice. It's just, it hits because Geralt is alone all the time, not physically, but he's so different from everyone. He's forced to be an outcast and is frequently treated with prejudice and discrimination for being a witcher. That's a very common theme in this book. The, the, the bigotry, you know, among witchers, the non-humans. Um, so gosh, her, her talking about wanting to be in a, alone in a sea of strangeness and him saying, I have that every day and not wanting what she's describing because he has it every day. 
Um, yeah, that was, that was deep. <laughs> okay. So the next morning when he wakes up, she's not there. And Mosaic who served him breakfast explains that Coral is tending to her patients that she treats for infertility. And Geralt tries to strike up conversation with her, but she denies him fearing Coral's revenge since Coral wouldn't like them talking and she can see everything using magic and an artifact, as Mosaic explains. Uh, she does tell Geralt, though, that she ran into Dandelion in town, who is worried about Geralt, but she didn't tell him that he's safe because she doesn't believe that Geralt is safe with Coral. She says that um, Geralt is only with Coral out of sorrow for Yennefer. You know what? It's actually kind of funny. Mosaic was afraid to talk to him at all because she didn't want Coral to find out. But then she kind of <laughs> starts talking, like saying a lot of things that if Coral knew would get would definitely get her in trouble. Like she just kind of goes on a little bit longer than you would think for somebody that's afraid of him um, or of Coral finding out. But yeah, she says that Geralt is only with Coral out of sorrow for Yennefer and that he only thinks of Yen when he's with Coral, which we know from other women he's been with, Fringilla Vigo, that this is very true. But Coral knows this and goes along with it for the time being. Uh, plus, Geralt does a good job at hiding it. So she's aware, but he hides it. So I guess that's why she's able to be okay with it. Um, but Mosaic points out, what's going to happen when you give yourself away? And he kind of actually does that a little later. Uh, there don't seem to be any consequences, though. Not yet, at least. Not in this chapter. So to resolve Dandelion's concerns, Geralt pays him a visit and Dandelion talks about how he doesn't trust Coral. He thinks that she's playing with Geralt and that Geralt is only using her to fill the void after Yennefer. And he agrees with this, but he's unsure why he's continuing this romance with her, even though he's well aware of all these things. I think it could be as simple as it feels good. Like the, it's, it's that temporary satisfaction that often makes you feel worse once it's over, but it's really hard to deny. And Geralt, he's a witcher. He has a much shorter emotional range than the average human, but he still does have emotions. He still does have desires and wants and needs. And it's not like he's gonna be in robot mode all the time. So he's definitely able to give in to those desires just like anybody else's. And I think that's all it comes down to. And yeah, it's just like what Dandelion said, filling the void after Yennefer, because we know he still loves Yennefer. He always loves Yennefer and he's not with her right now. So he's not in a very good place. Well, next time Geralt and Coral are chilling in bed, he asks her about her ability to see things using magic and an artifact like he learned. And at this, she threatens to twist one of Mosaic's joints again because she knows that Geralt heard um, that he heard about this from Mosaic. And uh, he shows, he gets kind of upset when she says that. And she then tries to pass it off as a joke. And it says, even though there wasn't a trace of merriment in her voice. This woman is seriously scary. I'm on Mosaic and Dandelion's side. Geralt should get away fast. Although we, we do know that she's not going to kill him. She's not going to maim him or anything like too serious. Um, 
because we've, we've seen Geralt past this story, uh, it's just still not wise of him to be involved with her. Like, hearing these kind of things, she's, she's scary. Um, but some good does come out of this uh, little relationship, this four-day relationship that they have embarked up upon. Um, he asks if she can use this magic, the artifact, um, to find his swords, and they do this. They use the fountain and the statue in the fountain, which is actually a depiction of Coral as a 15-year-old. And they uh, look into the fountain. Geralt takes her hand, and he looks into the water as she tells him to concentrate on his swords. So in the water, he's able to see, like in, I guess in real time, what it is that he's concentrating on. Um, but the first thing he sees in the water is Yennefer awkward and Coral's right there of course so she sees this and she gets angry but they continue anyway then he sees his swords and he sees hands holding them holding them there's hands that have rings on them and then he also sees a forest and a forest and rocks and one of these rocks is immense and shaped bizarrely by strong winds then there's the swords being offered at an auction and there's a black cat there, and it's swatting at a medallion with a blue dolphin nan on it. Uh, then he sees a woman standing on the bough of a tree that hangs over a river. Then from the top of a hill, he sees a sea of grass, and descending down the hill are dead people. Then the water in the fountain churns and rises in a high wave and lands right on them. And Coral uses a quick little... She whips up a quick little spell to uh, get the water off of them. Uh, Coral says that she, does, she doesn't know what the image of the dead people was, but she does know it was meant for her. That had nothing to do with Geralt. This is most likely Sodden Hill, where she will die. Well, the next and final section of the chapter has Geralt and Dandelion talking about the divination practice that Geralt just did with Coral. And Dandelion thinks it's all fraudulent. But when Geralt describes the location around where he saw his swords, Dandelion recognizes it as a place called Ravelin. So it seems like Geralt and Dandelion will be heading to this place called Ravelin to try and recover Geralt's swords. And that's where the chapter ends. So in the next chapter, they will probably be on their way there or there at this place. But we still don't know very much. Okay, closing thoughts. I'm still enjoying the story. The mystery of the missing swords is fun. I like getting all Sherlock Holmes blues clues in these stories. I think it's always it's always a good time. And uh, Coral, she is something else. I don't like her, I really don't. Like, Yennefer can be, all, like you know manipulative and she can be like very harsh and cold but she also has very likable qualities too coral i haven't seen much but i do enjoy this character though like characters like this these very um these ones that cook up a lot of drama they they make it interesting <laughs> so i don't like her but i enjoy reading about her if you know what i mean her behavior and attitude, it really, it's like, you know, I mentioned Yennefer. It doesn't differ much from other sorceresses that we've met as well. In fact, 
had she survived the Battle of Sodden, I bet she'd make the perfect Lodge member. I'm sure she would have been a member of the Lodge if she didn't die in that battle. I think she would have fit right in there. I mean, I'm sure she was already friends with all the members anyway. I already knew all of them, save Asira and Fringilla, because they were from Nilfgaard. But still, um, I think they would have um, been more than happy to have Coral in the Lodge. Okay, looking ahead, I'm still excited to see what happened to Geralt's swords and how or if he gets them back. I am starting to see that this is like the main plot of the story of the whole book. I could be wrong. Uh, I could switch up. He could get them back in the next couple of chapters and then um, there's something else. But um, either way, I'm intrigued. Uh, also, I am interested in witnessing the fallout of Geralt's relationship with Coral, since we know it doesn't last. Uh, I'm wondering if she's going to be hurt by their fallout, and if she is, is she going to attempt to harm him? And we can, we can see that she's extremely spiteful, so I'm predicting yes, but uh, she might be the one to put an official end to it herself, so who knows at this time in the book. Uh, but I am very curious to see how that takes place. All right, well, that is all I have for you today. So just to let you know, in case you didn't, these episodes are available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Thank you so much for joining, and I'll catch you in the next episode. <laughs>